Dave Williams presents Conversations.Buzz. You didn't hear it, but your voice just introduced this thing. Your uh, recording of, of Dave Williams presents Conversations.Buzz. That was you, and I appreciate you doing that. Sure. <laughs> that's, what, that's the first thing that happens. How are you? Good, you know, still super busy, but I'm good and well. You've, and always, you look- you've always been one of the busiest people I know. Uh, as far back as we go together, uh, working at KFBK, I started there in 1985, and you were there. You were I was home- there. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I was there. I think I was there right before you, because I right. actually started before and worked for a temporary job there and then left and then came back in 85 prior to your being there i feel like eric st john or somebody was there i don't know i don't remember yeah i'm sure somebody. he was but you were you were rush limbaugh's uh, call screener right when i was there when i, I was rush I, I started with morton downey jr that's no who kidding I was. yeah <laughs> that's who i started. and yet you're <laughs> and yet you're only 37 years old now i don't know how this works but uh <laughs> yeah uh yeah so i was there very early on before rush as as far as i can figure and i really haven't done the math and there's no point in us going into it but uh hmm. you have no doubt the the longest history in the history of sacramento radio be uh, one person being on one station for so long and it's unheard of in this industry I think you might be right, at least in in that place. I mean, Tom Sullivan was there, I think, before I was, but he was doing different things and he's moved away and, you know, still has his show. But I've been there physically in that station. You're right for, well, 85, you know, 84, 85. um, We can do that math, right? So in 2025. Almost 40 years. Almost 40. 38 years ago. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, Dave. It's just, and I didn't really even know, you know, when I started out there, I didn't know what I was going to do or how long I'd stay or how far I'd go. And, you know, I I found that niche in the afternoon news and it suited me and I liked it and um, I never left. As I recall... (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong. I remember that uh, when you were working on Rush's show, uh, Rush would put you on the air once in a while, but you really didn't have a uh, a regular time slot or a, or a regular job on the air for probably another couple of three years. Is that right? I think it went a little more quickly than that, but you are correct. When I worked with Rush, um, I was not on the air. And then one April Fool's Day, our then general manager, Rick Etchison, had yeah. Russian op roles where I did the show and he did the screening. Yeah. And it was like for half an hour. And that was my audition for on air, which I didn't know. And I passed, I guess. So what I ended up doing was working over at 92.5 in the morning doing right. news and then coming over back to KFBK and doing Russian. Sometimes I'd run back and be on with you guys. Right. So I'd go, right. Cause I was, I, then I was, I, cause I was on the morning, which I will never do again, but did it for like seven years and then would stay and do, you know, Russia's show. So you were on yeah. the mornings for seven years. 
Yeah. No kidding. That was oh, before before Bob and I showed up. Uh no, you were there. You were over there on. Yeah, you had come, but I was over on Y ninety two. Oh, all oh, right, with Paul and Phil. Yeah, but before that, I was with Rick. Someone I can't remember in the <laughs> Rick. And I can't remember his last name. Um, right. And then Paul and Phil came. Yeah. 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 So I did that while you were doing that, and then I would come over once in a while and do. I don't know, some kind of featurey things with you guys once in a while. I don't know if you remember that, but um yeah, so I was I was busy. I was running all over that station. Did you did you always want to be on the air? And well what brought you to the radio station in the first place? Well, I you know, I've been singing in a band and I had my degree in communications and instead of working I thought I was gonna sing for a while and we so we were playing all these gigs and I was negotiating a gig with somebody at the Sacramento Bee for one of their big McClatchy parties. We were going to play one of their big parties. Yeah. And I was talking to the guy, you know, he says, Oh, well, tell me about yourself. You know, and I said, Well, I have my degree in communications from Sac State. And he said, Uh, would you like to come down and maybe look for a job at the Bee? And I said, I'll see what you have. And so there was a job. And this brings me to my, you know, origins there at KPK for temporary part time minimum wage to fill in for a young woman who was the call screener, but was out on sick leave. And I said, what? I think a radio station sounds really fun. So I got that job. And that was my first foot in the door. Now, when you were screening, you, uh, you said you, you got your first uh, job there with, uh, with Morton Downey Jr. Right. With his, with his show. And then with Rush, they were both controversial figures. They were both guys that uh, could rile people up. Although in those days it was nothing like it is today or nothing to the extent that uh, Rush managed to uh, raise the hackles of an entire country and, and the world and so forth. But, uh, that must have been an interesting little, uh, introduction to call screening for you when you found yourself answering calls from people who were really, uh, really upset about something he'd said or just wanted to fight and argue and that kind of thing. Yeah, I'd never run into anything like that before. I mean, for me, radio was, you know, music. I never listened to it. I was, you know, 20 something or early 20 something. And I, so I, this, I found this to be really unusual. And Morton Downey Jr. and Rush Limbaugh had completely different styles, although probably the end game was what you described the same. But, uh, Mort was much more, um, well, I, I think he got a little more excited and uh, over animated. Um, but then in person, he was really quiet and just was low key and smoked like a smokestack. I remember that. Um, and, and Raj was warmer in person. Um, and well, you knew him. So you know what I'm talking about. Um, but he, I, you know, we watched Rush get his footing here, but they were both different. And, and Morton Downey Jr. was fired, you know, while I was working with him yeah, for that. Joke. Yeah. For a joke that he told that even back in the day, I mean, it was hard. It was hard to be offensive back in the eighties day, <laughs> but he, away and, uh, you know, got the boot and then people filled in for a little while. And then that's when Rush came in to take his spot. So. Just for those who are watching and listening and going, what was the joke? I don't remember the joke or I would tell it. I know uh, it. Do you? Oh, yeah. I totally remember it. Well, go ahead. Really? 
Well, yeah. I mean, you know, um, we're talking about a guy getting fired from a radio job 40 years ago. I mean, okay, it can't so, be that bad. Yeah. So this was the joke. Um, in essence, uh, it was about some uh, Chinese uh, people who are working on a railroad and the foreman. This is a horrible joke, by the way. And uh, the foreman says, I need you to go to the top and um, get some supplies and bring them. Uh, get go get the yeah, you know where I'm going get I some so. <laughs> okay so so the you know he waits and waits they don't come they don't come so he finally goes up there and looking for him and then they jump out from behind a shed and go supplies, supplies. supplies. <laughs> not even a good joke no not it was just dumb job over but I remember I I remember the phone rang you know and this is a city council person Tom Chin yep Okay, okay. He might have a problem with this joke. So that's what I recall about that incident. He was, Morton Downey was off, I think, suspended for a couple of days, and then he was gone. As I recall, there was a uh, a news conference after that, where Morton, hmm. Morton Downey ex- was explaining himself. He was uh, apologizing, and I think at that point he referred to uh, Congre- uh, uh, Councilman Chin as a Chinaman. You know what? Yes, Dave. In fact, I left out the most important part of the joke. I think during the joke, because it just says it's not in my vocabulary, yeah. um, that that's how they were referred to. China, Chinaman or Chinaman right. or whatever. Right. Yeah. That was one of the most offensive parts of the joke to Councilman Chin. Right. And yeah. the thing that caught the, the, the thing that caught me at that, you know, I, I you probably get uh, people all riled up here too, but you know, at at that point, I was thirty, I guess, something like that, thirty-one maybe, and it was the first time I'd ever heard that being considered, uh, you know, a, a, an offensive term. Because, and I re- I remember talking about it on the air. I said, mm. No, I don't. I I wasn't there. I didn't hear the exact comments. I didn't hear the context and everything. But what I don't understand is. We have Englishmen, we have Frenchmen. That's fine. Mm. Why is mm-hmm. Chinaman offensive? Mm. Nobody did really ever explain it to me, but I learned that uh, it just is, and that's fine. You know, people have a right to their sensitivities and everything. But that was the, that was one of the strangest firings that I I can remember uh, seeing. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, you can imagine me. This is like my first job, and I'm like, right. wow, this is this is wild. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to radio. People yeah. still people still ask me about Rush, um, and I'm sure that you've been t- talking about Rush for you know most of your life. But um, I, I'm I'm wondering if you if you would uh, back me up when I say he and I tell people this. I said you, you know if you can set aside whatever you thought of his politics or his manner on the air, I'll tell you honestly, he was one of the nicest people you will ever meet. And and when it came to him being bombastic and all that, in a social setting, Rush was the guy sitting in the corner of the room by himself with a drink, yeah. just being very quiet and kind of a kind of a wallflower. Yes, you're absolutely right about that. And I, you know, I will preface this by saying people can't get past their politics because I've. You know, I've had people who've unfriended me on Facebook just my my virtue of, you know, expressing, um, you know, maybe some sadness when he died. I mean, it yeah. was more like good riddance and 
Um, yeah, people can't, and I understand it. I mean, I know he was terribly offensive to a lot of people, but what you're saying is true in, in real life, in everyday life, he was a very nice person. He, you know, I went to his he wedding. He was a lovable little fuzzball, as he said. <laughs> <laughs> but he sure, yeah, but he, he, I know, but he sure offended people. Um, but, you know, people think he's a, such a bigot. I mean, he was married by a, a black minister. Yeah. He, Elton John, you know, obviously openly gay, played at his wedding. I mean, it was, if you knew him in real life, it, it was like you, you didn't see the person that, right. you know, people. Portrayed. And yet, if you if you explain that to people, they say, "Oh, so on the air, the whole thing on the air was just an act." And then you go, right. "Well, yeah, but it was an act. He was being he was, but he was being himself. He was being real in terms of the things he said, the things he thought. But he was being bigger than life, right?" Yeah, yeah, I would say that. And he, you know, he used to say, "I he would um, illustrate absurdity by being absurd." Yeah, yeah. you know, so. Mm, yeah. Interesting chapter. Yeah. So what uh what else stands out about your career and and uh, did you ever did you ever have any um any desire or any offers to uh you know go elsewhere to move into the big big cities and that sort of thing? Well, I did and you know actually Rush asked me to go to New York with him, but oh, I right? Yeah, but I I I didn't want to do it, you know, I had my parents were alive and we were super close. I didn't want to leave them. Um, I wasn't married when he left, but I was engaged. And so, you know, my husband has business here. He probably could have, you know, worked his way around in New York, but um, I don't know, Dave, I ju it just wasn't what I wanted to do. I really didn't want to be a call screener. And frankly, it was kind of uncomfortable in that whole talk show world. It's not really, you know, what, I, where I want to be. I, I preferred the news. And so it just, it just didn't feel like the right thing to do. Yeah. So didn't. He was inviting you, know? you to come along as a call screener or mm -hmm. producer type. Mm, I don't know. He just said, come with me to New York. And I oh, said, I, I did. And you were so, you were so far beyond call screening at that point. Yeah. It's not what I wanted to do. I think I would have been the thirdly or whoever he had, you know, Yeah. I, guess, I don't know. Yeah. Or Kit Carson, you know, maybe Kit, his role. It really wasn't defined, but it just wasn't something I'd even wanted to explore, really. Mm -hmm. I remember mornings when you would fill in uh, if uh, if I was on vacation or if Bob was out, uh, and you'd put, you'd you'd come through the door there at uh, you know a few minutes before five a.m. and sit down and uh, and we do we do a four hour show, but I always got a little bit of a laugh because you just seemed so uncomfortable at that time of day. <laughs> You look fine. You look great as always. But I can remember making fun of you and saying, oh, well, Kitty's been up all night long messing up her hair so that uh, she looks right to go on the air here. Uh, yeah. You were never a morning person. No, Dave, I was not. Never. I never have been. And it was kind of torturous for me to do those years that I did the morning drive. I don't know how you yeah. did it. I mean, you are you what do you do? Are you a morning now? I retired a month ago. Oh, okay. Were you doing morning up until then? Yep. Ah. I've been I, getting up at 2.30 in the morning to go to work for 50 years. And, Dave. And what? 
Uh, Finally, Carol Ann says, don't you think that's enough? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So how do you even adjust to a more normal schedule? I mean, how's that been? I'm getting, may I switch roles? How is that like for you? I want to know somebody who got up at two 30 for 50 years. Well, um, I sleep in now until five to some, I get up between five and six. I really am a morning person. And Good. I figure 5 a.m. is morning. 2.30 is the middle of the freaking night, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you and uh, you know, you never really get used to that. So uh, it's 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 been a happy transition and an easy one for me. Wow. Oh, yeah. No, I never got used to it. That was my problem. I couldn't. I just never did. And I, I couldn't go to bed early because I'm, oh, I'm a night person. I mean, yeah. I still go to bed at night. So it's. I just, yeah, I don't know. It's just the way I'm made and the way you're made, it worked out for you. That's fantastic. You're still singing? You're still in the band? I have different musical projects, yes. I've, I've had a, a band now for eight years that's um, original music that we, we write and record. I'm in this thing called um, the Beatles Guitar Project, which is a nonprofit where it's a music academy that teaches kids how to play guitar all through Beatles music. And yeah. And so we go out and perform as a group and the kids are kind of in the back. Some of them, if they're really good, will get to be in the front, but it's like a professional orchestra and professional musicians in the front singers, vocalists, um, musicians, like multimedia, all kinds of video. And Dave, we have played, I don't know if these venues mean anything to you where you are now, but um, the Mondavi Center in Davis, uh, which is oh, beautiful. Sure. Uh, the Sacramento Memorial Auditorium, right. the Community Center Theater, the Harris Center in Davis. I mean, I'm in, uh, in Folsom. I mean, we play the Crest Theater, beautiful theaters all around, you know, Northern California in this group. And it's just a lot of fun. What, what age are the kids? Are the kids? The kids are, <laughs> I mean, they're probably as young as seven to you know teenagers probably 17 18 and you got them doing yeah. beatles music and they love the yes <laughs> yes beatles music which is you know funny but you look at i mean as you know i mean beatles music runs the gamut and can be yeah. very popular very complex and um so they they learn a lot about you know chords and rhythm and you know melody and all kinds of things so it's great education for them but it's just something fun we just played four four shows not that long ago like a month or two ago and as far as your own performance is concerned with your band uh you you stick close to uh sacramento primarily your northern california performances and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah for the yeah we do we, we play mostly, we've done a lot of festivals and, you know, some clubs, um, it just depends, you know, it's, it's original music. So that group, so, you know, it's maybe suited for some things more than others, you know, some clubs like cover bands, top 40, that kind of thing. Yeah. Original music. That's interesting. Who's, who's writing it? My husband and I write it. Yeah. And we record yeah, it's on, it's on Apple and Amazon and Spotify and, you can find Skylar's Pool is the name of the band. So yeah, we've got music out there. Skylar's Skylar's Pool. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, where'd the name come from? Well, there was a show called Breaking Bad. Did you ever watch any of that? No. Do you get to watch TV? Did you ever watch TV and all your working because you had a weird schedule? Yeah. Oh well, yes, I, I I see TV. I, <laughs> <laughs> 
I've, I sure. watch MASH once in a while, you know. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, but you, you've heard of Breaking Bad, no doubt. Yes. Oh, Breaking Bad. I'm sorry. I didn't understand. I think you're on your phone and it's kind of the, it mutes. Oh. If we're both sorry. talking at the same time. So it kind of cut off. Yes. Breaking Bad. I have seen. Yes. Okay. Well, there's a, a character named Skylar who is the wife of the lead character and they have a pool. Uh-huh. And, and that pool is all, was almost like a character in that show. All kinds of things happened. Uh, fun tragedy. And there was, and I'm going to get a little deep here. There was uh, a scene where she at a party was just kind of overcome with all of her situation and went fully clothed down into the pool, under the pool to just have this quiet. When we were working on the band, my mother was in failing health and, and I knew she was going to pass. And I was extremely close to her. And the band to me was like a, a distraction and it, it kept me focused in a completely different way and not on my sadness. And it was almost like when I saw that scene in the show, Dave, it was like the pool allowed me to go, or the band, like the pool, the band allowed me to go kind of just underwater and immerse myself in something new. And I said to myself, while I was getting ready to go out in the bathroom, and I said to myself, that band is like my my pool, my Skylar's pool. And I Skylar's pool, that band is. So I'm naming it that, and so that's how that happened. <laughs> I don't remember the. I don't remember that part of the show. Uh, I'll be honest with you, it's because I couldn't watch the show. I got tired of it. I didn't like it. It was intense. Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm I'm one of the two or three people I think in the country that just didn't finish. I, I was on the air and trying to trying to stay current with the uh, with the culture and everything. Yeah. But my problem with that show, uh, with a, a lot of American TV since, as a matter of fact, had been that it was, it was so dark and the characters, it was like, there was, there was nobody that I could really care about. Yeah. 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 So that just kind yeah. of turned me off, but they were, they were all conflicted. I mean, Jesse, that little character, I, he had some extremely tender moments, but you know what? I'm thinking when you say that, I wouldn't watch The Sopranos with my husband. Like he'd say, "You got to watch this." I'm like, "No, it's too violent. I'm not going to watch that." <laughs> you know, and and now I kind of regret it because it's been hailed as one of the greatest series of all time. Did you watch The Sopranos? I did all the way through from beginning okay. to end. All right, so but I clearly- you see, but you know, there's some some of the characters there. You Tony Soprano himself, you love the guy. Yes, he's a bloodthirsty murderer. But but it was just all business. He was a good family man, you know. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, ultimate protagonist. But uh, mm-hmm. so I, I was I'd... I was about to ask you. Oh, okay. You mentioned you mentioned your husband a couple of times, and we're talking about Kurt Spataro, who everybody yeah. in Northern California knows is a, a very very well known uh, chef and restaurateur. He's got uh, how many restaurants does he have now? Um. Well, let's see. Um, you have to stop and think. There's a, that's significant. I, I think there's six, um, six like regular restaurants, but then he has um, two at the airport, and then he has three or four um, in the arena, the our Golden One Arena where the Kings play. No kidding. There's that's- yeah, right So I guess he's still a little busy, huh? He's really busy. And, um, you know, he had started this whole business with, um, 
a gentleman named Randy Perigary. Right. Randy passed on. I don't know if you knew that. No, I did not know that. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. I remember Perigary's restaurant very well and got to know him a little bit. Yes. Well, he, um, it was a, a huge surprise and I, I can't, is it awful? I, it was a, a year ago, July. Um, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and he was like gone in three months. I mean, it was the most sudden, shocking thing ever. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, he had worked with Randy for years, but now, uh, Randy's widow, Stacy, you know, he pretty much runs, you know, he ran all the kitchens anyway, so it, thankfully, you know, there was no disruption in that regard. Um, so yeah, so he runs it with uh, Stacy Perigary now, and so he's very busy. Are either of you thinking at all about uh, calling it uh, calling it quits? <laughs> calling it a Dave Williams, like yeah. you did last. Yeah. Um, well, Dave, uh, let's see. In 2024, I start my new contract which is for three years within a two-year option. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be, I guess, three to five more years. Yeah. And then maybe, I think so. <laughs> What's the, it hard like to part, be- <laughs> the hard part for me was not doing the work, not doing the job on the, on the air. Uh, it's just trying to get get up for it, you know? After a while, anything becomes rote, and you get uh, you get to a point where you know it's just uh, just another day in the office. It's so funny because in radio, the first thing they try to teach you is to speak naturally, talk like you yourself, talk like you're just talking to one person. Which I always thought was the stupidest piece of advice because, uh, yeah, I can pretend like I'm talking to one person, but I know I'm not, and. Uh, so anyway, so you go through that entire process of learning how to do it. And then after a while, you get to a point where you've forgotten the microphone and everything else. And that's that's usually a pretty good place. But just trying to get up for it every day. And you go on the air at what time? I don't hit till four. I have a four shift, which, you know, I love. Yeah, It's fun when I'm off work, like four o'clock is when I just kind of want to chill out and relax you know but for when i'm at work four o'clock is when i'm starting you know really. but i work all through the morning don't get i mean the workload has changed significantly i mean covid did a number on a lot of people's lives um and in mine in particular some people left and i absorbed their work so i'm i'm harder than i ever have in my whole career well that's pretty common with the industry throughout uh you know you know yeah have uh, have people doing three and four jobs at a time instead of just the yeah. one that they used to do. And it's uh, unfortunate, I think, that, you know, somebody who's on the air and uh, your primary purpose is to deliver the product to the listener, to bring them the content, bring them the information to do so smartly and with, uh, uh, you know, a flair for entertainment and so forth. Well, if you've been working all day long at preparing that material, uh, by the time you get on the air, it's just almost too much to ask. And I think it's a real shame. I think the audience misses out. I, I think it's sad. And, you know, there's a, a lot of digital that I do. And, um, you know, that's not necessarily what I signed up for, but it has yeah. to be done the age we're in. So I do it. Um, you know, I, I look at it like, well, what else would you even in the 
current state that it's in, what would you like to do more? Uh, where, where would you like to be making a living? And it's hard to come up with a second place. So, you know, I just, I signed on, I signed on for more, Dave. I have a question for you. You always had such a, um, very, you talk about natural, super relaxed, um, kind of off the cuff sounding. I mean, you made it sound so easy what you did, but you know, there's a lot of talent behind that. And I'm just, I'm just curious if that was always your style. I mean, I just remember you and I would just be in awe. I think, how does he do that? You know, he's just so easygoing. But well, thank you. That's, that's very nice. No, I started off as a top 40 disc jockey and I, I really wasn't good because that was back in the day when everybody was talking like this, you know, and talking as fast as they can and introduce, hey, and I just was no good at it. I, I, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, just me and just just able to uh, say what I'm thinking, but I have to think. A lot of people get upset in the business if you pause, uh, if you stop. Yeah. And I learned early on, and I think a lot of it has to do with uh, with my my work on in theater on stage. I learned that silence is one of the most powerful things you can do in a performance. You would know that as a singer, even, you know, you stop down and you let the audience have that moment with you, the thought and the feeling and all that stuff. And it works on the radio, too. And people will be surprised by that. But, you know, you don't have to see the performer in order to feel uh, the, the point that's being made. So I was always much more comfortable doing talk radio. Uh, you know, I did okay reading news too, but it was just reading. So, <laughs> well, I, I you were phenomenal, and I'm just curious about your theater. You were so good. I would go to see you at those plays back then. It was at the stage door comedy playhouse or something like that. Right, yeah. Have you kept up your theater? No, no, no. When I left Sacramento, I left theater there. Um, oh, it was because stage door comedy playhouse was really my home away from home. And all those people there that owned the place and ran the place and so forth, it, it became more important to me than doing theater. You know, I was never, uh, I never had any ambitions in terms of, of acting and so forth. I did enjoy it. It was a lot of fun. And I did the, I did direct a lot of shows there too. And that was enjoyable. Um, but except for the fact that uh, a few years ago, they did one of my plays that I wrote in uh, in Romania. Well, <laughs> we had a little frozen moment there. That was weird. That's the first time that's ever happened. Yeah, that was odd. But you said you left that when you that was your home away from home when you left the stage door when you left Sacramento. That was yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, just a few years ago, while I was while I was still in Dallas, uh, the uh, uh, there was a the National Theater in Romania did my first comedy there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was quite a thrill. And I, I flew over there to go see it, and it was a very weird experience because I sat there and watched my play being performed by wonderful, wonderful actors in a beautiful, fabulous set in this beautiful theater, and I couldn't understand a word they were saying. <laughs> I forgot you were a playwright. Yes, you were. So, but all the wow. laughs came in the right places, you know, and the and the check cashed, and there were people who were very nice. So, anyway, that's, 
This is great. You've you've been interviewing me. I, <laughs> that's what I do, you know. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go. Uh, it's so it's so nice to see you and to have a little time. Uh, I was at the. Uh, we were both at the KFBK 100th anniversary uh, together yeah. last year, and uh, it was wonderful to see you then. But you were so busy; you were just all over that building, and yeah. and you know, being called upon by everybody, everybody in the room, and uh, wanting people wanting your pictures and and all that stuff. So it's nice to be able to have a chance to talk with you. I know. I really enjoyed catching up with you. I I do think of you from time to time, Dave. You're just one of those really early memories of my starting in this business. And I always, you know, looked up to you and I just think you've had a, a remarkable career. I'm, I guess I'm glad to hear that you're finally taking time for yourself and not getting up at two 30. Oh my gosh. No, but as you can see, I can't stay completely away from it. I like to, <laughs> I like to talk to people I like yeah. to ask questions. So. That's great. That's good. I'm glad you're doing it. All right, Kitty. Well, thank you. I'm going to uh, put this together. I'll let you know when it's done. Yeah, I'll send you a link and all that. I Thank always do. That. I always, I always make the the sign off a little uncomfortable, a little weird. What yep. I need to do is say thank you and then stop, so that I can edit there. But I okay. always say thank you and blah 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 blah, so it looks really stupid. So, thank you and stop. <laughs> <laughs> Got all it. right. All right. Thanks so much well, for doing this. So great to catch up with you. Yeah. And congratulations on retirement. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks. Say hi to Caroline. I will. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Now enjoy Skylar's Pool with Kitty O'Neill.